How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. To home and home on a wild football Monday after an incredible week three in the NFL. Home and home radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. We will get into the Antonio Brown saga. Have we talked about AB for the final time? One can hope. Who broke up with whom? We'll make that clear straight ahead. But we start with change because change can be slow. It can be glacial in the NFL. But boy, it felt like it happened in the blink of an eye at the most important position on the field, the quarterback position. Young QBs, backup QBs were balling on Sunday. And we start right here where I am. I am at CNN today, not at home in Connecticut. I am in New York, not far from where the Giants uh, practice and play. And you check out the front and the back pages, all of them dedicated to Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. It seems Ross Tucker, who is home in Pennsylvania on a Monday. Ross Tucker, it seems like we are already starting the Daniel Jones Hall of Fame debate before we've even settled the Eli Manning argument. But as for the rookie out of Duke in this comeback win, he has a awful Bucks rookie kicking effort to thank. But what impressed you the most about Daniel Jones, two touchdowns running, two touchdowns passing, and valiant effort in the second half? I would say just his overall persistence and resilience. I mean, to keep coming back, even after time after time, it felt like the Bucks had pulled away. It felt like it was the Bucks game. He just kept playing. He just kept coming back. He's definitely a better athlete than I realized and a lot of people realized. I mean, I knew he ran a decent 40 time at the combine, but he can really move two rushing touchdowns. And it's not just that they won the game or that he played pretty well. I mean, Dave, they didn't have Saquon Barkley for most of the game. He is their guy. Saquon Barkley's the best player on the team. The only guy on offense that really makes you worry. Maybe Evan Ingram, their tight end a little bit. For Daniel Jones to put 32 points on the board, on the road, in his first start, without Saquon, is unbelievable. And by the way, I love Saquon hobbling with the crutches <laughs> and the boot because he wanted to celebrate with his teammates. That says a lot about that young man. The entire yeah. game says a lot about Daniel Jones. And frankly, Dave, the thing I think is as interesting as anything about it is how Giants feel Giants fans feel about it because, number one, obviously I'm sure they feel great. looks like Daniel Jones is good. But, man, it makes Eli look even worse, and it makes the decision to bring Eli back this year look even worse. 
I said this on Friday. I think the longer Daniel Jones plays the way he did on Sunday, the worse Eli Manning looks and the less likely I think he is to make the Hall of Fame. If it appears that Eli Manning was the single thing holding this team back, it does not reflect well on his 116 and 116 record. But to your point, the only thing better than the C's parting for Daniel Jones and going straight up the gut for what would be a game-winning touchdown was Saquon hobbling across the field in crutches and a walking boot. Now, this is arguably the second-best player in the league, not named uh, Patrick Mahomes. The latest is we hear an MRI for Saquon Monday. It sure looks like and sounds like a high ankle sprain and he would miss some time. But this Giants defense is atrocious. They gave up 500 yards to Tampa Bay, 190 yards to Mike Evans, and three beastie touchdowns. Uh, this probably, Ross, isn't about this season because it's going to be a long and painful season. But the future now feels like it uh, It looks bright. Let's hear from Daniel Jones after this huge win. Yeah, exciting win, exciting finish there for us. Um, you know, I thought we showed we showed a lot of fight and we, you know, battled back um, after kind of creating the hole for ourselves there in the first half. So, um, you know, like I said, exciting win and, and uh, look forward to building off of it. Daniel, what did you see on that fourth down when the, it seemed like the middle just opened up? Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, it's just what I saw, kind of. You know, we, uh, you know, they're playing some kind of man, and, and just kind of opened up there, and, and uh, saw the saw the grass and took it. So, um, you know, fun, fun finish to it. Exciting, uh, you know, last drive, and, and thought we did a good job, uh, you know, getting people open and, and good job protecting. It was a uh, fun finish. Yeah, I mean, it's been. Uh, you know, a different week and just, uh, you know, what's, what's happened. And, um, I, don't know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, as a team, we did a good job preparing and, and kind of focusing on, on what we needed to do to, to get ready to play this game. And, and um, you know, thought we had a good plan going in. We knew what, um, you know, what to expect and um, just, uh, you know, great team win. What did Eli say to you after the game? Uh, just, just congratulations and, um, you know, just just uh, just happy for me, and um, you know, I can't can't thank him enough for you know his support and and uh, you know throughout the week and you know today you know during the game. So um, just just really grateful, appreciate. No surprise that Eli Manning is taking this like a champ, being the ultimate teammate. Probably helped Daniel Jones get ready for this win, but there is no question, Ross. Not just the poise that you pointed to, but really. That athletic ability is going to be essential. He was the leading rusher for the Giants yesterday. Again, that was because Saquon was hurt, but still no other running back came in and led the way for them. Is that athletic ability the reason why they are such a better football team today? Well, it certainly gave them a lot more options offensively. You know, he had two rushing touchdowns. One was scrambling. We talked about one was a bootleg and those are both plays that Eli Manning simply could not make. He also showed the ability to buy time with his legs other moments of the game. It was really impressive. I'll say this, though, Dave, just listening to him yeah. there. You will not convince me that his head coach, David Cutcliffe at Duke, did not have him watch 
Eli Manning handling <laughs> post-game press conferences. He talks just like him. There, he, he even says, like, uh, like I said, just, uh, you know, Eli says that all the time. You will, yeah. There is no way, no way two people can just happen to sound that similar. And I know they're both from the South and blah, blah, blah. No way. His mannerisms are the same. It's it's like he studied Eli Manning press conference footage. There is no way that's by chance. You even if Cutcliffe and Daniel Jones deny it, I will take it to my grave that Daniel Jones has watched Eli Manning press conference footage because he handles it exactly the same way. He he's the only other quarterback that says uh, like I said, you know, just just a good job all the way around. It was fun. Like I mean, that that was uncanny right there. That is an interesting discussion on another day when we have more time. How many guys study press conference game tape in their preparation? I would love to know the honest truth about that. Only a Duke quarterback would we consider that may actually have been part of the preparation. We do know the link between Cutcliffe and Eli Manning. So the torch has been passed in New York and boy it sure felt like the torch is going to be passed awfully soon in Carolina no Cam Newton on Sunday and it sounds like no Cam Newton at least in the short term and nothing was expected of young Kyle Allen who was benched twice in college cut from the Carolina practice squad just over a year ago then returned and now he is the team starter and in Arizona his hometown by the way Sunday he throws for four touchdowns. Now, some perspective on that. Cam Newton had thrown for four touchdowns combined in his prior six starts and had lost eight straight starts. There is no question, Ross, this is a better football team with Kyle Allen. This is not, we're not, again, we're not providing the bust for Canton tomorrow, but Kyle Allen, how much better is Carolina with him at the helm? A lot better. And I'll tell you what was interesting. Torrey Smith, the former Panthers receiver, put out a tweet in the morning that said, you're going to see the vertical element of Carolina's passing game with Kyle Allen, and he's going to play well. I thought that was telling. I mean, Kyle Allen starting instead of Cam Newton, and Torrey Smith says, well, now you'll get a chance to see the vertical element. He played very well. I got to tell you, Dave, this is my favorite thing about the NFL, about the media, stories like this. So I was the broadcaster for NBC when Kyle Allen was in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl four years ago. And he was the number one ranked high school quarterback in the country. So just think about the roller coaster that he has been on, Dave number one quarterback in the country in high school, MVP, or at least he was by far the best quarterback in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, riding high, goes to Texas A&M, gets benched, transfers to Houston, not even a Power 5 school, gets a starting job, then gets benched at Houston for a sophomore, De'Eric King, who's still at Houston. He's still in college. And Kyle Allen got benched twice in college. Now he's at the bottom of the barrel, lowest of the low, undrafted free agent with Carolina, gets a chance to start in his hometown. 
He's from Phoenix, out there in Arizona, plays so well. Carolina puts 38 points on the board to four touchdowns. I mean, I eat stuff like this up. Kyle Allen, Gardner Minshew, give me all of it. I, I want all of it. And after the game, I know Ron Rivera said, Cam's still the quarterback when he's healthy. Let me just tell you how this works, Dave Briggs, okay? As long as Kyle Allen keeps playing like this, they're going to make sure that Cam Newton is super-duper, like, ridiculously healthy before they would even think about putting him back in the game. And then at some point, if Kyle Allen keeps playing, they'll keep saying, as soon as Cam's healthy, soon, and then they'll be like, um, okay, no, Kyle Allen's quarterback. Sorry, we changed our mind. Because they'll, they'll keep hanging that health thing out there with Cam as long as Kyle plays well. And then at some point, when it's beyond obvious, they'll just say, this is Kyle Allen's team. And based on what we saw through the yep. first three games, it probably should be. Why would you put Cam back in there? I mean, even if Cam was healthy next week, you should ride out Kyle Allen until he plays poorly. Wasn't just stretching the field, wasn't just the athleticism. The shortfalls is what Cam has been really struggling with in particular. And when you see Kyle Allen get Greg Olson, the old man, a tight end involved for two touchdowns, it's just a very different team. Now, Grena doesn't hurt when CMC goes for 188 yards total offense. Uh, but Kyle Allen was spectacular. Here is the Panthers' young quarterback. For me, it's just football, man. It's I mean, it's cool to have all my family and friends here and go out to dinner with them last night and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's just I kept telling myself this. Have a plan when you come to the line of scrimmage every play, right? And don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. So one play at a time, and it's a long game. And I kept preaching this to everybody. Arizona's a team, when you look at them on tape, they come back in multiple games. The first game against Detroit and against Baltimore, they come back. So um, for us, it was just about executing every drive and just playing that we own. This is so different with the adversity that you guys um, no, I think we're, just as a team, we understand where we were at. You know what I mean? We understand the talent we have. We understand that we are able to do these things on a consistent basis, and we've just been missing a little bit. And so I think we've talked about it all week. Just do the little things right, like you said, and just execute. And I don't think there was much that needed to be said. I think we knew it. We just needed to go out and do it. Okay, we talked about how the play was certainly different on the field. Ross, did that sound a little different from what we've heard from Cam Newton recently? Yes, a lot different, a lot better. And honestly, I got to tell you, Dave, I understand what Cam's done for the franchise, and I really respect and appreciate it. But why would you put Cam back in? I, I guess maybe they want to give him – one last shot, but it just feels to me like the odds or the chances that Cam Newton comes back to be a really good, effective player don't seem real high. And it seems like the injury stuff is just kind of always going to be there with Cam moving forward. He's now re-injured the foot a second time. He's had multiple shoulder surgeries. Like, what are you even building or building towards? with Cam Newton. Ron Rivera is trying to save his job. Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. You know how you do that? Hope. Hope. A young, exciting quarterback that everybody in the organization feels like you can build around. And right now, his name is Kyle Allen. I don't want to, whether it's Danny Dimes or Kyle Allen, 
I don't want to get too caught up in a one-game sample size, Dave, but it's the only game. It's the only game we've seen from them so far, and they were both light years better than the guys that started the games before them. All right, a few more young quarterbacks are on this play, Pittsburgh and San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo gets the win, but boy, they won ugly. Five turnovers for San Francisco, but the focus here on Mason Rudolph, who takes over for Ben Roethlisberger. And yes, he got better as the game went on and threw a huge 79-yard touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster. I thought... Mason Rudolph looked to me like a guy that is going to lead Pittsburgh, maybe not entirely his fault, but it looked to me like a Pittsburgh team that is headed towards a top five pick. They are not a good football team. They are 0-3, and though Minka Fitzpatrick played well, you traded traded away your first-round pick for Fitzpatrick, and again, to me, it looked like that's going to be a top five, top six pick. That team is not headed anywhere fast. Or did you see something I did not with Mason Rudolph? No, I, I tend to agree. He certainly did not look as good as guys we just talked about, like Daniel Jones and Kyle Allen. I thought Mason Rudolph was average at best. He made a nice throw to Deontay Johnson on a touchdown catch, but Deontay Johnson had a double move on Jason Barrett and was wide open. You can't get any more open than that. And then he also threw a slant to Juju Smith-Schuster, who got a couple key blocks and took it like 70 yards to the house, which made Mason Rudolph's stats look a lot better than they were. He didn't make a lot of very difficult throws. He didn't have the pocket presence. I guess I was expecting or hoping for from him. They're still not running the ball very well. I mean, Dave, they had two long touchdown passes, and they got five turnovers from the Niners, and they still lost. I'm not sure I've ever seen that. I'm not sure I've ever seen that. Five turnovers and two long touchdown passes, and you still lose the game? That's an awful sign for the Steelers moving forward. I don't think they'll end up with a top five pick, but it might be top 10 if Mason Rudolph and the entire team doesn't perform better than that. Wow. That was, that was surprising to me. It really was. Yeah. I just, I see nothing positive happening there in Pittsburgh. The defense is a sieve and James Conner is a, just a shot. I just, I he's unrecognizable from the guy we saw a year ago. I don't know if he's injured or that offensive line just can't block for him. A few other young performances. I thought Jacoby Brissett was outstanding on Sunday. Nobody we've mentioned played better than Brissett. 16 of 16 to start the game. He is outstanding and a big win over the Falcons. Teddy Bridgewater did enough and probably will do enough to keep the Saints in contention for winning that division exactly what they're going to need. They win in Seattle despite a monster performance from Russell Wilson. Seattle's got some major holes they have to fill. Let's talk about the greatest quarterback matchup of all, though, that easily could have been our lead today, and that's Patrick Mahomes taking on Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. And I don't know what else can be said about Mahomes in his second year as a starter. I I said this from the beginning. I don't know why anybody thinks this guy is going to regress. He looks better than he did a year ago, Ross, without his best weapon, Tyreek Hill. They beat Baltimore in a score that looks close. I don't think the game felt that close to me watching it. They were up 30-13. to We'll talk about Lamar Jackson in a minute, but what are you seeing 
from Mahomes. I don't really know how to describe it anymore. The guy is incredible. I mentioned earlier about how much I love Kyle Allen stories like that. One of my favorite things about being in the media. The other thing is guys like Mahomes and seeing things that we've never seen before. It's crazy, Dave, because you get to the point where, you know, my rookie year was 2001. We've been doing this for so long. I've seen so many players come through. And then you see a running back like Saquon Barkley, and you think, wow, that guy is truly special and different. And then Patrick Mahomes. Just when I thought I might never see a quarterback that had the skill set of Aaron Rodgers and the ability to make those throws, those throws on the move, in comes Mahomes, who's got an even more impressive physical skill set. It is crazy. He's so much further along mentally than I ever thought he would be at this point. Last year, he was awesome. I thought maybe he'd have a little bit more of a second-year slump this year after people spent the entire offseason studying him. He doesn't even have Tyree Kill. Nope. The beat goes on. 30 more points against the Chief, against the Ravens. And really, Dave, you know, if this were like a, a matchup of the two MVP candidates and the two young quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson was not able to hold serve. I mean, he struggled a lot of this game. And even when he did have a couple completions, he was crazy lucky. I mean, he made it the one throw to Willie Sneed. What are you doing? That was terrible. a terrible throw, terrible decision. We should be on here saying how awful it was. Willie Sneed bailed him out. Otherwise, his stat line and his game could have looked a lot worse. He was not up to the challenge of matching Mahomes play for play yesterday. I hate to agree with you so much because I'm seeing all these headlines on Monday morning about Lamar Jackson is special. Even at a loss, he shows how spectacular he's going to be. That's not at all the game I saw. I saw a quarterback that was missing targets time and time again, just over 50%. The numbers are boosted by not just that play, but another late that was an awful ill-advised throw, a Hail Mary under a condition that didn't deem a Hail Mary necessary. I thought he looked exposed by a, by a team that doesn't have an outstanding defense in Kansas City. I think we pumped the brakes a little bit, quite frankly, on him. Now we'll see how they match up with Cleveland next week. But Lamar Jackson can be contained, and I think the Chiefs showed how to do that. The inaccurate passing again reared its head. So not quite certain. One last note on Patrick Mahomes. Just the numbers, folks. Ten touchdowns passing no interceptions, and in two second quarters the last two weeks, 52 points in two second quarters in two weeks. They're doing more than most teams have done all season. Nothing will stop Patrick Mahomes. Fast forward this season, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, AFC Championship, popcorn is ready. We will talk about the Patriots, unfortunately for them, for all the wrong reasons uh, in just a bit, because Antonio Brown. But hey, there's a glimmer of hope. Perhaps we have talked about AB for the last time, because even though they broke up with him, he says he broke up with them. 
the latest on AB in just a sec. But first, hiring can be a challenge, as Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered. Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was so impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. And that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. Results like that, no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You see why ZipRecruiter is so effective for businesses of all sizes? Try ZipRecruiter for free. This web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Now to the smartest way to assure you never come back to the NFL, burn, napalm, every bridge you possibly can. And that has been the path of the most self-destructive athlete in recent times, Antonio Brown, released by the Patriots and over the weekend released all thoughts, released all sentiment that he might have a future in the league or he might be a normal guy. He said that he is not going to come back to the NFL. He went after Bob Kraft. He went after Big Ben. He went after Shannon Sharp and even seemed to encourage Patriots fans to threaten Sports Illustrated writer Robert Klemko and something you could argue was borderline criminal like everything else he's done. But Ross will not be playing in the NFL anymore. These owners can cancel deals, do whatever they want at any time. We will see if the NFLPA holds them accountable. Sad they can just void guarantees any time going on 40 million, two months to see if they pay up. Have we talked about him for the last time? Nope, no chance. Absolutely uh, no chance because he won't allow that to happen. And for those of you that are watching Home and Home on the radio.com app, you saw that we just showed the tweet. Of course, you can always watch it on the radio.com app or radio.com slash home, or you can listen to it like I know a lot of you are doing. But you just showed that tweet. 64.4 thousand people, whenever we took that screenshot, liked that tweet, which means we have at least 64.4 thousand morons that are on Twitter. I mean, what? At least. Why would you? Why would you like that tweet? What about that is likable? I mean, the guy is not likable in any way. Who is liking that tweet? I want names. I want names, and I want to talk to the police, and I don't want them allowed within 500 yards of my house because people that would like that tweet scare the crap out of me what are you talking about liking that tweet this guy and by the way the patriots finally did the right thing on friday i'm pretty sure dave they saw 
when you and I talked about it on Friday's Home and Home, and we posted it on our Twitter feed at RDC Home and Home, and I retweeted it at Ross Tucker NFL. I think you did as well at Dave Briggs TV. And I said I would outwardly be rooting against the Patriots as long as Antonio Brown was on their team. I'm not going to say that's the straw that that broke the that broke the the back there, Dave. But I'm sure that that had some heavy influence on Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick because they don't want me to be outwardly rooting against their team. I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> but thankfully, the Patriots showed some conscience, showed some heart, and they got rid of a guy who, even if he had done nothing else, had sent a threatening text with pictures of a woman's children. I mean, the guy's a bum, and I've said it a bunch of times. He's an absolute bum. I'm so glad the Patriots cut him, and I can't believe, look, Every time you think we've seen the last of it, he does something else that's even worse, or at least not worse, at least dumber. Like, you know, there was a report on Saturday. There's three interested teams. You know, it's it's almost like he is the most self-destructive athlete I can ever remember. There's still three interested teams. I can fix that. Let me go on a Twitter tirade where I call out everybody for their past transgressions, including a respected owner. Buh, 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 buh. There won't be three teams anymore. I mean, you know, and here's the thing. He talks a big game. He's going to end up wanting to get signed, wanting to play football again. And guess what, Antonio? That money was guaranteed unless you are and a complete idiot and asshole. You are both. You managed to void $30 million with one team and $9 million with another team. Congratulations. I hope you've saved your money, big boy, because you're probably not getting any more of it from the NFL. Well, you got to do something to get an A-bomb out of Ross Tucker, and I'm certain it was your words that forced the Patriots into a corner here, which I like. I hope... We are done talking about this guy, barring a Tiger Woods-like professional and personal comeback, which I don't think either is possible. This is likely the last chapter, unless, of course, XFL is in Antonio Brown's future. I can't imagine that someone wouldn't take a shot at a guy who was the best receiver in the NFL for six straight seasons. But it's not clear if this guy is in the right place mentally to step on a football field. Let's hear from the quarterback. Tom Brady was asked about this on the Greg Hill Show this morning on WEEI. How would Brady respond? Yeah, so there's almost like it's it's almost a different kind of workplace because because of that team element. And so there's there's kind of a disappointment. There can be a disappointment like I wish this had this particular thing had worked out or or what have you because of the way you feel about the the individual the person sure and i think there's just and again it's not this situation it's every situation there's a lot of forces at work that are working against that there's a lot of things that are that happen that work against that because it's profitable because there's you know there's other there's other forces at work so you try to what? I try to combat them by just caring more, by you know, giving more. 
to try to combat other things that may be trying to pull apart our team, our community, our family, you know, because it's, unfortunately, that's the, the way that, you know, the, the world has, um, you know, probably always been, but it's a, you know, I guess in some ways I've always had a bit naiveness about me, a naive, naivete about people, um, and I believe in goodness, and I believe in the good in people and good intentions. Um, so, yeah. Um, That's just that as far as I'm playing and for part of a team, as far as I'm a part of a community, um, I'm going to do the best I can do, and, um, you know, I'm just going to keep believing in people and joy and love and and you know that's that's what works for me huh i don't know what the hell to make of that brady's speaking in code there uh they took another shot on the greg hill show at the antonio brown madness and the circus surrounding it here is tb12 again again it's so easy for us to just blame and shame and that you know i think there's this because everyone has a voice now and a lot of them can just be you know nameless faceless comments this that are just that are very difficult for people i mean you you know you 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 can get you know you love too much that's a problem you hate too much that's a problem <laughs> you win too much that's a problem you lose too much that's a problem everything ends up being a problem so you just have to focus on i think you look at yourself what do i believe in what are my beliefs i'm responsible for my own beliefs i'm responsible for my own actions and I'm going to do the best I can do to contribute in the best way possible. And I'm not going to add on. I'm not going to be a part of this culture that can become very negative, can become very blaming, very much point fingers. Because I think as a parent, what responsibility do we have to teach our children? What society do we want this to become? You know, how do we choose in the role that we have to make a difference to contribute in a positive way and if we don't then that's our choice but yeah and for me based on my upbringing my choice is something that's different than that okay that's tom brady on wei the greg kill show this morning and that is a lot that is hearing a lot from tom brady but to speak about his role as a parent clouding how we judge these situations. Well, if the New England Patriots as an organization first viewed themselves as a pillar in their community and as people who influence children and have such a high standing in our society, they never would have signed this dirt bag in the first place. Tom Brady has rarely made mistakes on or off the football field, Ross, but the very day we were reading these texts from Antonio Brown to an artist who had been sexually harassed and then threatened by Antonio Brown and his crew. Tom Brady was liking Instagram posts from Antonio Brown. I am questioning their decision-making and character and even welcoming him in the first place, at least not holding him off at a distance. They eagerly embraced and wrapped up Antonio Brown. How does that look this morning on Monday? You know, it looks terrible, obviously. And, you know, Patriots fans or Belichick, and I know we'll get into that, that don't want this scrutiny. They don't want this criticism. They don't want the questions that were asked. 
How about not signing the guy? That's my advice. That's my recommendation. The the thing, you know, I feel what's interesting about Brady is I feel like, Dave, he made some good points about society in general. I just think it was the wrong time and the wrong situation to make those points. You know, Antonio Brown and him getting cut is not the time to make those points about society because it comes across as Tom is defending Antonio Brown. And I think that that's a bad look given everything else he's done, including calling out Tom Brady's owner on Sunday for being at a massage parlor. I just think Antonio Brown's the wrong guy to defend. And maybe Tom would say he wasn't defending him and he probably would, but because he just got cut, that's what it comes across as. Yeah, the problem is when you speak in code the way Tom Brady does and, and trying to say a lot without saying anything at all is it leaves all of that into your own interpretation. And to me, that sounds as though, yes, like some words of support for Antonio Brown or some suggestion that that he was misunderstood. I wish he would be either... Frankly, I wish he'd rather say nothing or elaborate on exactly what he feels and making it clear where he stands on a guy's actions like Antonio Brown on threatening women, on sexual harassment, on sexual assault. Because clearly we all know Tom Brady is, by all indications, a terrific human being on and off the field. Could have said more about the, the decision-making and about, as a parent, how he views accusations like sexual harassment. There was one other element to the story that really rubbed football fans, and I probably shouldn't say rubbed when Bob Kraft is part of the conversation, but across the country the wrong way. And that's when right before their football game kicked off Sunday, Dana Jacobson from CBS Sports asked Bill Belichick, as any sideline reporter in our profession should 100% ask the head coach, the de facto GM, what his thoughts were about Antonio Brown, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? He said, you know, they're, they're focused on the Jets, of course. But that wasn't the answer. The answer was a death stare. Long after the question was asked and answered, straight at the female reporter, Danny Jacobson. Look, I felt like this, Ross, was as bad as anything the Patriots had done from the start of this process. Bill Belichick knows damn well that's her job to ask that question. And to stare at a female reporter for doing her job as to intimidate her? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I want to defend the greatest coach in professional sports today, but what the hell was he doing there? Uh, it, it's, it's sad. It's pathetic. Uh, the only possible explanation is maybe that they had agreed to ahead of time that it would just be about the game and that he, she would not ask a question about Antonio Brown and that perhaps he was angry that she went against what he felt like they had agreed to because I do know that happens sometimes. So that's a possibility. And I would say that maybe that's what happened there. But Dave, even if that is what happened there, that's not how you handle it if you're Bill Belichick. Because much like what you said about Brady and things being open to interpretation, when you just stare like Belichick did 
and don't say anything at the end. We can all interpret that the way we want without knowing what was said or agreed to before that. And I frankly think it's a really bad look for Bill Belichick. He comes across as a bully. He comes across as trying to intimidate a female reporter, which I think is pathetic. I I really do. Look, if you don't want the, there's a lot of ways you could have answered the question. Okay. And then there's, it's totally unnecessary for him to stare her down at the end. He could say, okay, and walk away. He could do a million different things other than stare her down like some kind of fake tough guy. Give me a break. Give me a break, Bill Belichick. And this is, people wonder, and this is why it bothers me, Dave, when people laugh or think his press conferences are funny. I don't. I think they're disrespectful. I think that they are juvenile. And I think he comes across as, frankly, a a sad person that lives a sad life. I mean, if you're the type of person that stares down a reporter like that for doing their job, when his motto for his whole freaking team and franchise is do your job, she's literally doing her job and he's going to stare her down as in what bill like what what was that stare down about what what are you going to do about it like i mean i just that that to me um you know i'd love to hear patriots fans defend that one yeah and as a reporter i could say i've been asked in certain situations to stay away from certain topics and my line every time as a journalist is look i have to ask the question You can answer it however you want. You can choose not to answer the question. Dana Jacobson has a news background just like myself and Anchors News over there at CBS as well. I'm quite certain she would not agree to staying away from a part of her job that should have been considered essential ahead of that game. And I'm a Patriots defender, have been throughout my entire uh, career as I spent five or six seasons covering that team. And want to defend the best organization in professional sports. They are making it very difficult this morning. I think they dodged a bullet, however, with Antonio Brown. They should be thankful he sent those wretched, threatening texts because had they won a Super Bowl with him on the roster, I think it forever kind of would have changed the way they were viewed by a lot of football fans across the country, in particular Female football fans estimated to be more than 40% of the league's fan base. All right, let's talk about uh, some New York football giants when we come back. Is Nick Costos from You Bet or You Bet, does he already have his Danny Dimes jersey? That's the biggest question this morning. He'll also give you some free money Monday bets for Monday night football. Giants, excuse me, Bears and Redskins. Uh, I think Chicago about a five and a half point underdog. We'll check in with Mr. Costos about the Giants, about bets. I got a feeling he may want to weigh in on Antonio Brown and Bill Belichick. We're back after a quick break. All right, we're back on a free money Monday. Nick Costos, you better you bet, has all the point spreads you want to pay attention to in the week ahead and including in Monday night football. But we got to start our resident crazy ass Giants fan with his reaction 
from Danny Dimes' epic performance. It's on the front pages. It's on the back pages. My favorite is Buck Yeah on the New York Daily News. Nick Costos, good to see you. Ross Tucker and Dave Briggs. Please, dramatic reenactment. Your reaction when the C's part, Danny Dimes goes straight up the gut and scores, for the time being, a game-winning touchdown. How'd you react? Well, first off, what's going on, guys? It is a great Monday to be alive. You know, anytime you can wake up after winning all your bets and your favorite football team wins in dramatic fashion, it's a great day. So I am feeling fantastic today. And I did like those headlines, Dave. And for the people that are listening and not watching, Dave was showing up all like the New York tabloid back pages. One said, Buck yeah. I would like to amend that to read, Fuck yeah, because that was awesome yesterday, what the Giants were able to accomplish with my man, Daniel Jones. So, look, here's kind of the deal as a fan, and I feel like a lot of fans that listen and watch this will be able to kind of commiserate with me and can kind of relate to what I'm saying. You know, since Super Bowl 46, which was the second Giants win over the Patriots, it, it's kind of been weird being like, like, we had the one season, and I know I say we, I don't give a shit, because I'm, I'm, I'm really invested, where we won 11-5 and five and then lost to the Packers in the uh, in the wild card round. That was the Odell Beckham boat game. Um like, that was a pretty cool season, but Eli was kind of the starter for that year. And, like, after the second Super Bowl and not making the playoffs a couple times, like, it all started to become the same. Watching yesterday's game was like watching TV in Technicolor after watching it in black and white for the previous however many years. That was the most satisfying uh, moment for me as a football fan since Super Bowl 46 in February 2012. So it's literally been over seven years that I've had a moment like that. I went absolutely fucking ballistic when Daniel Jones ran that touchdown in. I couldn't stop smiling for like two hours afterwards. I wish I were kidding because at age 36, I, I still wish that I didn't care as much as I did, but I guess I do because like it really made my day. And if the Bucks had made that field goal, it would have ruined my day. So like not only did Jones score the touchdown, but then they missed the field goal. And like in, in the past couple of years, teams always make that field goal against the Giants. Just a tremendous, tremendous day to be a sports fan. I love me some New York football Giants. I love me some Daniel Jones. That was tremendous. Uh, you also love you some New York douchebag outfits because that's what you're <laughs> rocking again today. You've got yeah. the Yankees hat on. Right. I actually like that. I actually like that hooded sweatshirt, Nick. That's now a I cool. Take it off. But you, you, you are you are wearing the uniform. That's for sure. Well, it's like, you know, that Dave Chappelle said in that one comedy special, it's like, you know, women get offended when they go out in public wearing a certain outfit. And it's like, well, you know, you're wearing the outfit of what of what, of what, of what you look like, right? So for me, if I'm going to play the New York douche on the show, I have to wear the outfit. So Giants pull over Yankee hat. I wanted to wear my obnoxious chain, but quite honestly, I forgot. I'm a little I'm a little upset about it. I have no chain to wear on my on my shaved chest, which hey, is also I, part of the New York douchebag outfit. Can I ask both of you guys something? Why are the newspapers in New York the only one that we call tabloids? Like, I never hear them say it about the, the greatest Philly city papers. In the world. Yeah, because I don't the ever hear them call the Boston Globe or the Boston papers tabloids. Why is it only okay to call the, the New York papers tabloids, Briggs or, or Nick? Because they are. I mean, they, they are different than the New York Times, than the Washington Post, than the Denver Post, than the LA Times. The Boston Herald comes awfully close. I, I think because it's alone, it's not called the tabloid, but if there was another paper like the Herald, they'd be called the Boston tabloids as well. In terms of the content, in terms of the attention getting headlines, that's what they're trying to do is splash something up there 
sensationalize it and get your attention. Little different than what the Times and the Post and others do. But that's just yeah, my just, two cents. We're, just, just yeah. slightly, slightly different. Like the New York Times is on the quest for truth or whatever. The, you know, the New York Post is on the quest to uh, to make you laugh or make your stomach turn looking at the paper in the morning. I think that would be the difference, right? <laughs> when do you get your Danny Dimes jersey? I know I can't. Well, here's let me let me. You guys need to help me with this. Yeah. I don't think I've bought a jersey since my Eli Manning jersey back in 2004. Now, I got a Mariano Rivera authentic Yankee jersey with no Rivera on the back, just the 42, the road New York jersey for my birthday a couple years ago. I don't really wear it. Like, if I go to a Yankee game, I'll wear it. I haven't bought a jersey in, like, 15 years. I feel like I kind of have to now, if only, like, to wear it on the air for, like, things like this, like, as part of my douchebag costume. Like, like do I have to pony up the 100 bucks and buy a Danny Dimes jersey? Like, I think I have to, right? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say you can expense that. You can expense that. I'm going to expense my Gardner Minshew jersey. Oh my I hope the God. boss is listening. <laughs> hey, you know what I you know what I want you to do, Nick? Guess why? Because he's got a fucking mustache. Who gives a shit? I'll grow a fucking mustache. <laughs> we get a Nick Costos jersey. I mean, come on. No. So number one, uh, Nick, Nick, I think no. you're breaking. You're definitely breaking the record for f bombs before 9 a.m. on the show. So congratulations yeah, well, yeah, to a, that. Put a camera in my put a camera in my apartment. We'll set a new record every day. Number two, given the fact that you wore Eli Manning jersey out, like socially in college, I'm yeah. looking forward to you wearing a Daniel Jones jersey to your wedding. I think that would be <laughs> great. I got to ask you, though, 32 points, even after Saquon got hurt. Is there any part of you as a Giants fan that felt a little bad for Eli, about Eli? Because I don't care what anybody says, it definitely makes Eli look even worse. Well, I mean, like, I think we have to take kind of like a forest through the trees perspective here. Like, did it make Eli, like, look kind of bad yesterday? Of course. But, I mean, I think that if we take, like, a macro approach of it, like, this is all going to reflect very well on Eli. The fact that Eli's fist-bumping Daniel Jones and Eli's congratulating Daniel Jones after the game. And Eli is a stand-up teammate. And my mom calls me last night not to talk about what a great win for the Giants, but to talk about how classy Eli is and like how bad she felt for Eli on the sideline, watching Eli be really pumped up for Daniel Jones. So I don't really think it made him look bad. I mean, maybe as far as like a one-night thing is concerned, but like this all is going to reflect very well, I feel like, on Eli's legacy. The fact that like, and it's kind of the same way, uh, you know, that Kurt Warner did. Now, Eli's not going to have a second act the way that Kurt Warner did. You know, when, when Eli replaced Kurt Warner and then Kurt goes to the Cardinals and authors the second part of that Hall of Fame career, like Eli's done. That's not happening for Eli Manning. But people remember, like, how gracious Kurt Warner was getting benched for Eli. And remember, like, that year in 2004, um, the Giants were 5-4 and four when they benched Kurt Warner for Eli. They had a winning record. And Kurt handled it very gracefully, the same way Eli is. So for now, it may not be great for Eli, but I think that history will look back on this fondly, the way that Eli has handled being benched for Daniel Jones. So the last question I have on this game isn't even really a Giants-centric question. And I don't know what there is to say about Saquon other than that's a bummer because we all love him and him hobbling into the end zone was amazing. Yes. But I want to present this to both of you guys. Can you please tell me that you don't think it's cool or a good part of the sport that that Bucks kicker misses that chip shot field goal? I mean, that is not the way the sport or that game should be decided with some guy that played soccer in high school coming on the field and deciding what hundreds of men, the work they put into that afternoon, 
whether or not they won. I mean, that was pathetic that he missed that, and I felt awful for the Bucks fan. I just don't think that's the way games should be decided. I think it's a flaw in the game. Dave, he's on Mount Pius again. He's up in the ivory tower, looking down at the commoners, <laughs> ringing the bell, criticizing the game that's been played this way since its inception, basically. Hey, Ross, you played in the NFL. This is how it's been forever, man, and it ain't going to change. And no, I don't really, I don't really care about it. Um, Bruce Arrington screwed the whole thing up. The kicker stinks. He missed two extra points early in the game, and then Bruce just has the brilliant idea to take a delay of game penalty because he thinks his kicker will be more accurate from a longer distance. I can't believe he said that out loud. If he were a first-year head coach and he said that, they'd be calling for him to be fired. The only reason that Bruce isn't going to be called to be fired is because of what he's accomplished in the league. That was worse than the Freddie Kitchens fourth and nine draw on Sunday Night Football. We took a delay of game on purpose because the kicker would be more accurate from deeper, and then he barely misses from 34. What are we doing here? Like, you want to criticize someone? Don't eat the player, eat the game. That's a sport. Ross, criticize your boy Bruce Arians. What the hell was he doing at the end of the game? I've only seen that in a college game when you're on a far hash mark and you're, say, inside the five when it's a really difficult angle. That blew my mind at the moment. In the moment, it was hard to imagine. And then after the game, it just marinated and you couldn't understand it. And then he admitted they did it on purpose. It's he hard it to loud. fathom. He but the memories loud. go it's, back. It, it, I mean, and this is the same city in which Scott Norwood goes wide right against the Giants and the Super Bowl. Painful, but I kind of love the way the game ends on moments like that. I do want to get some free money from you. It's Monday Night Football. We got Chicago and Washington, and it's early, but I'm sure you've already looked at a couple point spreads you like. All right, so for tonight, um, I don't have a strong feeling on tonight's game. This is one of those games where if it's on, like, a 1 o'clock Sunday slate surrounded by, like, eight other games, I probably don't bet. But if you're going to make me bet the game, um, normally I like the primetime home underdogs, and you guys know that. Actually, won with the Rams last night, which was cool. But I, I can't I can't go with the Redskins in tonight's game. And the line's actually getting really inflated now for the Bears. This line's up to uh, to minus uh, to minus five, even minus five and a half and minus six in some spots here for the Bears who are on the road. The angle that I would take in this game, and this is actually what I played, is I played the under last week. It's act it's on 41 now. I think I played it at 42 or 41 and a half. I don't know. I put these bets in all at once, and then I forget what I've got. But I've got one of those two numbers, either 42 or 41 and a half. I just don't see a way that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. I do acknowledge the possibility that Mitch Trubisky could potentially have a good game. And like this Redskins secondary has been abominable to start the season. Josh Norman is absolutely toast. He should retire. Got turned around a couple times last week by Cowboys receivers. Not named Amari Cooper. He's terrible. So in theory, like Allen Robinson should be able to go off in tonight's game. And in theory, the Redskins should not be able to score points in this game. So I guess I kind of like would lean towards the Bears and I would take Chicago against the number. But I don't like that inflated number where it's at now at five, five and a half or six. The lean that I would have on this game is the under. But again, this was not one of my favorite plays of the week. But since it is the only game on tonight, I will bet it. And my bet will be will be the under. And Dave, you asked for a couple early thoughts for uh, for next week. Yeah. All right, so the lines came out last night for week four in the NFL, and I'm going to give, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six that I'll run through very quickly here for you guys. Number one, the Carolina Panthers are a four-point underdog at Houston. Now, Carolina's got Kyle Allen starting quarterback. He was great yesterday against the Cardinals. Texans coming off the big win against the Chargers. I feel like people are going to want to take the Texans. People are going to be down on the Panthers. They're going to say, oh, you know, 
oh, what, what did the Panthers do? They beat a Cardinals team that's really bad. I think Kyle Allen's really good. And I don't think Kyle Allen is better than a, at the height of his powers, Cam Newton. But there's no question that he's better than a Cam Newton who can barely move around and throw the football. So I actually kind of like the Panthers quite a bit in that spot, getting four on the road in Houston. I like the Cleveland Browns, and this is basically like a like when you uh like when you like when you um, um buy low and sell high on a team. The Brown stock is really low right now. Freddie Kitchens embarrassed himself in front of a national audience yesterday. Everyone's gonna want to take the Ravens. Baltimore laying minus five and a half. I think the Browns could win the game, and I'm gonna try and work up the moxie and the courage to take the Browns on the money line. But the Browns will almost certainly be one of my bets next week. You have to think that Freddie figures it out a little bit. He's gonna get dragged in the court of public opinion this week. That 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 goal to go sequence at the end of the game last night was disgraceful throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. Freddie it's it's like I know this and I'm sitting you know you know scratching my ass on the couch how does the head coach of the Browns not know that I think he'll get it together next week how about the Patriots a touchdown favorite on the road in Buffalo um, I think that Buffalo is good I think Buffalo is a wild card team I respect their three and zero start love Sean McDermott love the potential of Josh Allen the Patriots are in a different class I find it hard to imagine the Bills scoring a ton of points in this game after the Bengals completely shut them down after they went up 14 nothing yesterday so I would look to lay it on the road with the New England Patriots. The Chiefs are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Detroit. Um, Detroit, very nice start to the season. They're undefeated, 2-0-1. Oh, um, I said they would win outright yesterday, so that was a nice win for me um, against a, an injured Eagles team. Quite different when you're taking on Patrick Mahomes indoors. I think the Chiefs will boat race Matt Patricia, Daryl Bevel, and the Detroit Lions. The Tampa Bay Bucks are going to close as a 10-point underdog on the road at the Rams. Rams are not that good. Bucks better than they looked yesterday. Uh, maybe Devin White will be back. I would lean the Bucks getting the points in that game. Again, we're going to buy low on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the New Orleans Saints, a hashtag primetime home underdog. That's the big game of the week. Sunday night in Dallas, they are three-point dogs in that spot. I would not be surprised if the Saints won outright. Saints very impressive yesterday. Cowboys not impressive against the Dolphins, despite the fact that they did backdoor and cover that number. So that's where I'm at right now. Six games that I like for week number four. Man, and it's only Monday, and the NYDB, Nick Costos, has it all figured <laughs> out. <laughs> all right, brother. Hey, get out there. Get that Danny Dimes jersey. We can't wait to see it next week right here on Home and Home. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. And as always, wishing you and all the listeners and viewers minimal sweats, winning bets, the very best of luck, and let's go New York. Thank you, guys. And a lot of F-bombs this morning. All right. Nick Costos mentioned the Cleveland Browns. We'll talk about their ugly performance late on Sunday night against the Rams. We'll also get into the Philadelphia Eagles, who are up against it on the road against undefeated Green Bay next week. They are in trouble. And uh, we will hear from the head coach, as well as talk some college football with Dan Wolken of USA Today about the Jim Harbaugh misery in Ann Arbor. We are back on Home and Home after a real quick break. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 